0: Back to another episode of the regular exclusive with Jason and Renee. And today we're talking about a movie that came out. Uh, did it come out this year? Yes, mm-hmm. it came out this year.
1: February. Right.
0: I couldn't remember if it was a 22 movie, but yeah, 2023 Knock at the Cabin. And we were gonna just talk about this movie and then kind of last minute. Renee, you texted me and you had a really great idea.
1: Yeah, I did. I'm sorry, I couldn't I had texted you at like eleven o'clock. I was like, oh, I hate to pivot, but I was like watching this movie last night again, because I'd seen it when it first came out, and then just re-watching it, it just really hit me that it reminded me of another movie that we both love. And I figured we could probably just talk about it on the fly because we've seen it a billion times. <laughs> And it, it, it's kind of a setup like The uh, the Mist and this is the end episode we did where they're like kind of the same movie, but two different yeah. genres almost. Um, so this is, I think our new episode is going to be Knock at the Cabin in the Woods. Because Knock at the Cabin and Cabin in the Woods are really, if you think about it, extremely similar, uh, different lenses, different points of view, but very similar plots.
0: Yeah. As soon as you you texted me that, I was like, these are totally different movies, but actually (laughs) they are very similar. (laughs)
1: Yeah. And again, very like different, like there's similar things that happen throughout and kind of the similar plot setup of both is they could each also be subtitled, like how to stop the apocalypse, because that's pretty much what they're about. Both movies at the base, the base plot line level. Obviously there's a lot of other shit that's going on in both movies and the means to get there. But It's basically about a group of characters having to ensure that another group of characters make a decision to save the world. Maybe not willingly, (laughs) knowingly make the decision, but it's kind of fascinating.
0: It is. And so we're going to talk about Cabin in the Woods first.
1: You mean Knock at the Cabin?
0: I'm already screwing this up.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We just confirmed it, but that's okay. All
0: right. We're going to talk about Knock at the Cabin first and then... We're gonna we're gonna talk about really how these two movies that have ultimately the same plot how they are very very different in their approach, um, and we're gonna have a good time with that. About to get apocalyptic in here. You know what? That was our last double feature. It was also kind of revolving around the apocalypse. But I in- think this
1: is our new theme. We need to find movies about the. Apo- I mean, I think maybe next let's do Armageddon and uh, what's the other one? Fuck, Deep Deep Impact. Impact. Yeah. <laughs> deep impact armageddon i'm here for it let's do it <laughs> all
0: right let's talk about knock at the cabin good job
1: your family has been chosen to make a horrible decision if you fail
0: to choose the world of end. so knock at the cabin this is from the man the myth the legend sir m night Shyamalan. i don't know if he's knighted but i feel like he should be he should be by this point let's knight him if he's not movie came out in this year 2023 i think it was like two months ago or something yeah
1: just in february
0: yeah now streaming on peacock yep now streaming on peacock um it's got a really great cast dave batista is a is really it seems like he's the one who's kind of been stealing the show everyone's been really impressed with him and you know it it did okay in theaters it was about a budget of 20 million dollars gross worldwide it did 54 million so it maybe did a little bit better than got its money back but we're probably we're not getting a sequel for this No. <laughs> <laughs> so. The basic plot of this movie, according to IMDb, is while vacationing, a girl and her parents are taken hostage by armed uh, strangers. For some reason, I read that as stranglers. I was
1: going to say, I don't think anyone was strangled in this movie. I could be wrong, but it
0: doesn't sound right. (laughs) So, a girl and her parents are taken hostage by armed strangers who demand that the family make a choice to avert the the apocalypse.
1: That's about it. <laughs>
0: yeah. So, we're going to be obviously talking spoilers. I feel like any conversation that involves the M Night Shyamalan movie has to be about spoilers. So, here is your yeah. warning. Um, Go watch the movie and come back. Yeah.
1: Or if you like spoilers, welcome. Stay a while.
0: Yeah. And if you already have peacock, then yeah, just watch the movie. It's worth it if you have peacock.
1: It is you. You want to know what's interesting is I. I didn't realize this movie was rated R the first time I watched it. Did you know that? Uh, I don't think I did. And it's the second R-rated film that M Night Shyamalan has done since it's the first one that he's done since The Happening, which I was like, The Happening was rated R. I guess for some of those death scenes, but yeah. this movie isn't even very gory. Would you agree? No, they do a lot uh, of the stuff off camera. Yeah, it must be for the Fox.
0: Yeah. Yeah, there was quite a few fucks in it. Oh, this movie fucks all right. (laughs) So, all right, so let's let's just kind of get into this. Mm -hmm. I mean, this movie just it it looks like an M. Night Shyamalan movie. It's got the style, it's got the
1: flair. Interesting though, I don't know if you know that the cinematographer is not the same one that he's normally worked with, Um, but it's the same guy who does Robert Eggers' movies. Oh, yeah, nice. I love this collab. I'm just yeah. saying, I thought this movie, the filming style, the cameras, it was all shot on, like, 1990s cameras and lenses to achieve the look and feel of, like, a 90s thriller, which is, like, his inspiration kind of for it.
0: I always am curious of, of why people do that. I know a lot of directors do it, you know, mm-hmm. like um, like X. Yeah. Uh, Ty West did that. And I, I really, whenever I hear that, I'm like... Would I have noticed that if I didn't if I if I didn't know that? <laughs> if you
1: watch okay, I'm gonna give you a homework assignment. Okay. You gotta watch X and then watch right after that. Watch the new Texas chainsaw massacre. And you will see why they use <laughs> that old fucking camera to shoot X. Because that's the correct Like vibe, if you're doing a Texas Chainsaw kind of movie,
0: are you talking about the Netflix Texas? Yes. Okay.
1: Or even the the 2013 one that's fucking awful and like a (laughs) sequel to the original again. It's really bad. But either one of those, you just look at those and you go, oh, that's why. it's because it looks so much more like grungy or dirty. It fits that vibe, that time that they're trying to like evoke. Just saying, it does make a difference. It might be imperceptible when you already are watching it, but like. Ty West especially really does this for all of his movies, whatever time period they're set in. He recreates it like the same feel and look using that same equipment. And I think that's like smart and that's cool. M. Night Shyamalan said that like a bunch of the stuff was like breaking after they used it. Cause I'm like, I'm sure it's not great, but like, he's like, that's exactly what I wanted though. And I was like, wow, that's cool. I mean, I feel like it would be more of a headache as a filmmaker, but it does look pretty cool. Like I think it was, especially he said like the, um, the fuzziness and like the focus
0: being out okay. of focus
1: and things and how that changed, which I noticed more in this movie that had to do with the cameras. You said,
0: okay. All right. I can do that homework assignment. I mean, you don't need to pull my arm to get me to watch X again. Cause
1: yeah, I, but maybe to watch the movie, new but... Texas chainsaw again, <laughs> Okay, <laughs> but it does make a difference. I don't know if you know about the cameras, but the way that they placed them and like utilize them in this movie was like they worked with Canon for like, a kind of 360-degree, like, set with, like, the way that they place cameras. They put a lot of them near, like, the eyeline for certain characters, as you know. Like, I think that's something Shyamalan does really well, is he always puts you in the mind frame of, like, Mm -hmm. the character by literally putting you in their shoes. And he does that a lot in this movie. But they could, like, get the same shot, like, like it would go to their computers and 3D model of, like, all these different places that they could, like, zoom in to get the shot and, like, get it from that angle, which it, again... Regardless of what you think about M. Night Shyamalan's movies, or if they don't work for you that you think the twists are stupid, he's a fucking genius filmmaker, and his craft is unbelievable.
0: Oh, yeah. you you, all, you all, There's always a level of quality,
1: just mm-hmm. from, like,
0: a, an aesthetic and style. You always get that from a Shyamalan. I mean, fuck, even The Last Airbender, it's like, movie's garbage. But there's a lot of really good visuals and technical components of that.
1: Oh, yeah, he's nothing if not like... I mean, he's incredibly talented as a director, you know? I know people have issues with screenwriting sometimes, but, like, I personally think this movie, for me, I don't care as much about, like, the endings as everybody else does. It's not, like, my favorite, but I just... I think that this movie is so gorgeous to look at and really well-acted that it makes up for whatever I wouldn't care about for the ending.
0: Yeah, and I want to save some of the ending conversation yes. for the for the end of of talk when we get to the ending of this because yeah, i have a lot of thoughts in, on it but... <laughs> but one thing you said that i noticed and i really loved when i first started this movie is you mentioned like having the camera at eyeline for, for the different actors i loved the opening scene when you have the little girl talking to dave batista and like whatever she is talking to him it shows you the upward angle of dave batista and you just see how huge he is so compared to like this the little girl and then yeah. when he talks to her it looks straight down at her so she just looks like a little baby <laughs>
1: yeah and she's also like really adorable and a really cute like really good actor for yeah, like I, I was happy with her i thought she was great and she wasn't annoying or anything like most kids can be um but i i agree with you i think that was cool i also think i love dave batista in this movie he's incredible his performance is out of this world he deserves to be another you know i mean you think he'll do great things but he's definitely given me like 100 percent. this is what dave batista would look like as a child molester <laughs> right like there's like- no way this guy would be a teacher at a school <laughs> yeah. no
0: are you kidding me did you get the vibes? Totally, like, yeah, he's just so weird, and the glasses especially, like the
1: glasses. I think that's what it is.
0: It's like the Dahmer glasses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, you know he, you know who he looks like exactly, but just Dave Batista. He's dressed exactly like Milton from Office Space. Oh the my stapler god, guy.
1: <laughs> Ew, you're right. He totally is, but with like hella tats, and like just i mean i just don't buy it he's so fucking creepy and would an elementary school teacher be allowed to have all those tats <laughs> yeah. i really don't think so
0: i i feel like they should have uh done the pete davidson makeup from bodies 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 and like covered yeah. up all of his tattoos because like a little it does just look it just stands out but man can you imagine the makeup bud- budget budget to like cover up his arms compared to Pete Davidson, it would
1: have been closer to fucking like Guardians of the Galaxy, yeah. we we're covering him in fucking plaster every day. I mean, and I think he's perfect for this role. Like from what it sounds like, the character in the book is meant to be exactly this way. I'm just saying this might. I hope this is the closest that he ever gets to being a, to looking and, and acting like a child molester, because that was all I could think about in this movie. And I'm like, he's really good, but like very unsettling Yeah, did not like him and when in the beginning I was like I don't like where this is going <laughs> I don't know if there's any of that in this book or story but I was ready for it at that point because I thought this guy's giving off those vibes
0: yeah and, and a quick little side tangent I think Dave Batiste has really established himself maybe as like the best actor in the professional wrestlers category like uh, yeah ac- <laughs> I think John Cena is still the funniest. Like John Cena in Trainwreck is just pure gold.
1: (laughs) Oh, and anything. I love him in Blockers. That's like one of my favorite (laughs) comedies just because he's fucking, he's just so good. But yeah, I don't know if I see a Dave Bautista kind of performance in him though. Oh yeah, I
0: agree.
1: I also think, you know, Dave Bautista's Drax is all just fucking hilarious to me too. (laughs) I think he's just as funny, but yeah yeah i i would say john Cena probably i mean who knows maybe he'll surprise he us does. but is there any other good actors besides i mean i guess the rock but does well, he i mean count? the
0: rock essentially b- broke the mold like he was the one who paved the way and now more people are doing it so you know you got to give the the rock a little bit respect i feel like we're all just tired of the rock because just way too much of the rock he needs to he needs to take a hiatus for us to miss him a little bit or something. Did you
1: hear about their? He just announced on Instagram that they're remaking. They're doing a live action remake of Moana with him and the chick who played Moana. And I'm like, that Ugh. movie came out like five years ago. Yeah. Fuck off. <laughs> I don't want to see whatever those creatures that like were cute in that movie. They're going to be horrifying in the live action. Either way, Ugh. give us some space. The Rock.
0: Yeah. <laughs> just, Swain. Yeah we need a little, we need a break, but yeah, Dave Batista is great. I mean, he, he reminded me of him in, in Blade Runner, which I know, um, that's where M. Night first saw Batista. M. Night doesn't, he doesn't watch wrestling, so he didn't even know he was a wrestler. Really? <laughs> but yeah, but I, I saw a thing where he's like, we need to have this giant who has this presence and mm-hmm. can also do these long monologues. And then, he found Dave Batista Bati- and talked. He's like, you're the one. <laughs> if you fail to choose, or if you fail to follow through with a sacrifice,
1: the world will end. You three will live. But the rest of humanity, seven billion plus, will perish. <laughs> For the four characters who like are the home invaders in this. I think I I love Dave Batista. I was a little weary about seeing Rupert Grint aka Ron Weasley because <laughs> I just can't see anything but Ron Weasley with him. Yeah. I haven't watched the M Night Shyamalan show that he's been on on Apple TV, The Servant. Oh, I've that. He's on that show, I guess with him. And then when he was in this though, I will say I liked him I thought this was the first time I've ever not seen Ron Weasley maybe it was the American accent but I was kind of sad he wasn't in it longer
0: yeah I mean I I liked the beard I've never seen him with a beard before so that worked
1: the beard was nice it was a good touch the American accent helped I think yeah if he's British I'm just like Ron get the fuck out of here
0: <laughs> yeah I think I would have liked it, him being in it longer too because I think of of all the people he was the one that I was maybe the most interested in fuck i Keep at me, okay? Don't you fucking look away from me.
1: I didn't like the two women that they had for the two uh, home invaders. I did not like their their characters or their performances.
0: Uh, I thought they were fine. I I I liked the two um, the two guys, uh, Jonathan Groff who mind hunter mind hunters he's great love them yeah then ben aldridge i I can't think of anything else he's in but i i liked them a lot
1: yes the two dads daddy eric and daddy andrew yes i love those guys i i I have to admit like i thought i thought both of them were really good and i i really enjoyed i thought that like what was the other guy's name not jonathan groff groff i mean
0: ben aldridge
1: Ben Aldridge, his character, he was like the the voice of reason, I feel like, the entire Mm -hmm. time. And he was very much like your audience POV character. And I felt like anything that you kind of felt like, oh, this is stupid, like he was really addressing and like covering all of the, this could be fake. Everything that they're doing and everything that they're saying, they could have set this up and this could be that. And I was like, I like this guy. I like this guy a lot.
0: We're not choosing anyone. We're not sacrificing anyone. Not now. Not ever. Even if it means the death of everyone else in the world. Yes. Even if I believe the world was at stake, which I don't, that's what it means.
1: I don't know. I thought it was really, really good and good tension building. Yeah. But I think just overall, I did want a little bit more from the ending, even though like, I'm not a big fan of tearing down Shyamalan endings because I don't care about that. But I think we'll get into that later. But that's really my biggest problem with this movie. I think outside of that, I think it's pretty good.
0: Yeah, I, I, I think this movie is is fine. I think it's good. I, I, I think ultimately, like, the reason I didn't love it, like, I, I don't think I would put this in my top five Shyamalan movies. No. But it's got good pieces of it. But I think the reason why I wasn't really that crazy about it was, one, I agree with you, the ending was not super great. But... I felt like the whole movie really relied on me having a connection, or like something ab- about the the uh, the strangers, the the home invaders, and them being good people, and me caring about them, and me believing that they are actually trying to do something good. And I just didn't really get that. I you know? th- yeah, I felt like
1: it was kind of a little heavy-handed of trying to like understand these people and like pity them and feel bad for them and be on their side. And I just did not. <laughs> I was like these people feel like it was almost a little too realistic where I was like I feel like this could really happen. Yeah. Obviously not like with a real apocalypse, but like there's probably crazy fucks online talking about doing this exact same shit right now. Yeah. You know, and like crazy people could do this and really believe that they're the four horsemen of the apocalypse or whatever.
0: Before I got up here, I I was a line cook. At a Mexican restaurant in in Dupont Circle, DC. I love to feed people. It feels like it's more than food to me.
1: The fact that they're trying to get you to like sympathize with these other people, and you see that like, I don't care if you're right or wrong. Like, fuck, I just didn't buy any of their their. Uh, when they tried to be nice, it felt like I felt nauseous. Yeah. I don't like it. <laughs> you know, I didn't trust them.
0: Yeah, I, and I think this is also. Just something I feel like with M. Night Shyamalan is I think the sixth sense was like the best and worst thing to ever happen to him because that twist ending is a real it's amazing twist ending and now I think every movie everyone goes in thinking about the twist
1: well he's kind of had a lot on I mean right after that he followed it up with unbreakable which isn't, I I think it wasn't as positively received, but they still liked it. And then there was the whole twist ending with Sam Jackson being the villain at the end. Yeah. Spoiler alert for Unbreakable. (laughs) It's been out for like 23 years, but it's the same. And then then you get signs and then you're like, okay, so this guy does that every time. It's a different degree and it's not always about that, but I think because the Sixth Sense one was just so successful, it's the ultimate twist ending. I think that everybody talks about for years and years and years now. So, you're right. It is like, it was what propelled him to like stardom and to being this like world renowned director. But it also really set him up for a lot of failures in the way of like the audience not being able to appreciate what he's doing for what it is.
0: Yeah. Like, I think a lot of people go to Shyamalan movies for the twist. And one thing I've noticed a lot with his movies is that I, I really enjoy the middle parts of his movies. Like I love all the stuff that kind of happens and the twist is not, I'm usually underwhelmed by s- some of his more recent movies with the ending, but I love the middle parts a
1: yeah. lot. And the endings aren't the the be all end all for me. Like, I don't care if it's like, this is the first one that I felt like the ending kind of dampened a bit of the rest of the story. Yeah. But like we've talked about old, like that twist ending. I don't give a fuck. It's fine. It's whatever. It's not great. I didn't need it, but also doesn't ruin the entire wonderful movie before that. Right. And like the twilight zone feel of that movie. Like I enjoy all the bits and pieces leading up to it. I think that's really what it is with him. It's not necessarily. I mean, Stephen King does the same thing. People always say Biff's the ending, But it's like, sometimes it's about the fucking journey, guys. (laughs)
0: Yeah, like, I think Shyamalan is really, really great at coming up with these unique scenarios and situations and then just having a stay in them, Mm -hmm. you know, and then the end happens, you know, whatever. Like, another really good one that's kind of similar to this is, like, Split. Like, Split is this really crazy, intense, like, kidnapping story with a split personality like yeah and you know the ending is i didn't see that ending coming um but like i love just i love all the middle parts of his movies also the same thing with with the village you mm-hmm. know
1: signs all of them I, I i think another thing too with him is that like you expect the twist ending but then i've noticed too especially this one i think is really heavy-handed with it but like a lot of his movies deal with faith and like yeah belief and being like like love or being faith in god or whatever higher power kind of a thing will be like the ultimate thing that will save you almost like i would say signs is obviously a little bit pretty like intense with that but like that's the one movie that really works for me with it i think all of those little religious stuff it all comes back around perfectly and like it it works that's the one time it works for me
0: the main character's a priest you know or former priest yeah
1: oh it's so good and then the fact that it all comes back like everything does mean something and everything was happening for a reason like the water and mm-hmm. the fucking baseball like all of this so i really love that but for this movie i felt like i didn't really i didn't i didn't like that i didn't like what we were being pitched i wasn't into it it didn't feel like oh okay like i mean i don't want to spoil the ending but like when we get there it's like it didn't feel the same as it did with with signs
0: let's just go ahead and get there let's talk about the ending of this movie so so ultimately you know turns out the end of the world is actually happening I believe and I think so yeah it seems like it yeah like there was planes falling out of the sky at the end you Yeah. Know? so a sacrifice does have to happen if you fail to choose
1: or if you fail to follow through with a sacrifice the
0: world will end you three will live the rest of humanity 7 billion plus perish and uh, yeah like I agree with you I
1: and one of the dads decides to take the bullet because he sees a light and now everything's okay and he was then, also
0: concussed
1: whatever th- yeah oh yeah sorry I was gonna say like oh he's basically dead already I thought that's where you were going I was like I think you can make it back from that but, but yeah he was like kind of exactly and cuss, not thinking straight and it was interesting i guess i was wanting to ask you what would you do in this situation if you were tied up and they told you you had to kill you had to chop off sarah's head with a chainsaw what do you do <laughs> to stop the apocalypse
0: <laughs> oh, that, that's a different ending. They, it escalated that, quickly. That's the director's cut ending. He has to do it with a chainsaw. I was just thinking of uh,
1: the Office when they're like record the when Dwight's recording the meeting for Michael, <laughs> yeah. and then yeah. Andy's like, I am now chopping off <laughs> Phyllis's head with a chainsaw. <laughs> uh, but like, what would you do in this situation? Because it's basically they're they're telling you that the world's going to end unless you and one of your family members is killed by the other one as a sacrifice.
0: Uh, I mean, I would, I don't know. (laughs) Come on, you're on the spot. Make up your mind, bitch. The world's at stake. I would probably kill myself. No, you can't kill yourself. That's the whole thing. If one of us has to die, then yeah, I'd probably kill Sarah. (laughs) You
1: are dumb. The obvious answer is to say, fuck you, we're all dying. I'm not killing
0: one of my family for the rest of the world. Are you kidding? No. That's the thing. In this movie, they kind of take away the choice because, like, you can see that the world is ending. And I'm not talking about the videos. Like, when they're outside after Dave Batista slits his own throat, like, I, I, you see a plane falling I, out of the I'm sky. Not like, that the apocalypse
1: isn't happening. Like, yeah. I know full well it's actually happening, but I'm saying, I want to see the apocalypse. I'm staying here. <laughs> We're all going down together. This is fucked.
0: But you would live.
1: I don't want to live that's, through this. That's, Are you the, kidding?
0: That's the rules. They said, they said, if you don't do it, then all of you will live, but everyone else will die. So you will be left here. Perfect. By yourself. Even
1: better. <laughs> Wonderful. Me and my loved ones. will be ruling over the fucking ruins of the earth. I love this. <laughs> and no, I do not want to live through this situation. This sounds. This is like what would haunt you for life if you live through this fucking shit. That girl, when? Yeah, right. Like, she's going to have that happy ending with her life and she's going to be happy and in love one day. No, that chick's going to be in an insane asylum <laughs> forever. Are you kidding me? She's been through some fucked up shit. Just yeah. saying. I would not want to make it through this. I'm not a person that's like, I'm going to sacrifice my love for the rest of the world. Fuck the world. We're all going down <laughs> together. That is the correct answer.
0: So you're just going with your Renee logic, where you're gonna kill yourself.
1: No, I'm not gonna kill myself. I'm gonna let them kill themselves, because then that would be fun to be like, oh, that's what it looks but like. Then,
0: but then when everyone else is dead, then you just kill yourself. Yeah, We'll see.
1: <laughs> I'd, I'd 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 evaluate the scenarios. What I got for food rations. Is, I'm gonna have to live off the land. We'll see. What have, what am I working yeah.
0: with? Yeah. So I think one of the things that I didn't didn't love about the the ending is. I feel like Shyamalan usually is is really good about kind of having a unique spin or kind of a different take on something. And I feel like this, this question of would you save yourself or save the whole world, I feel like this is not a new idea. And the way that he was presenting it wasn't really that different either. No. And so I was, yeah. I was a little, a little different from
1: the book, I guess.
0: i i I haven't read the book so me either but um but yeah like there was one part of the end that i did like and thought was interesting was after everything happens and the girl and andrew are left they go to that diner and they're watching the news and like there's just like this little piece of them now Having to live with what just happened, and no one else will ever know like That's I thought the worst part <laughs> I thought That's that part g- I thought that part was a little bit interesting, like oh you know usually we see the end like the sacrifice is made and then the movie ends, so just like seeing a little piece of how do we even move forward from this i thought that was that was more interesting than the actual decision itself (laughs) i mean the
1: decision sucked again you have a concussion i'm not letting you make this choice okay and second off like the the dad who's left daddy andrew he didn't want to make this choice he thought these people were fucking batshit even (laughs) if it was real he didn't give a fuck right and then he had to do it because the other guy was like come on i'll just die it's fine and then it's like i would just be so utterly like devastated from that, that I didn't want to do this. I was forced to do it. And again, like they have this beautiful love. Why do they have to give that up? The world has done nothing for them is what they say. And I agree. Fuck the world. I don't (laughs) give a fuck. You have to believe It doesn't matter if we believe your craziness, the answer is still the same. Everyone in the world can die as far as we're concerned. Am I right, Eric? I think this is where we get into why this movie kind of reminds me of Cabin in the Woods, because the ending is very similar and I kind of wish it carried over to this movie because I think if that if they had made a sim- similar decision, I would have been a little bit
0: happier. I think uh, that's a good note. Let's switch over and let's talk about Cabin in the Woods in this movie. Um, but all in all, if you have Peacock, it's worth a watch. It's not ter- it's not it's not a terrible movie. It's got a lot of really great technical pieces to look, good to look for. Good performances. All right. Let's take a little break and switch over to Cabin in the Woods. It's so strange. I'm actually
1: brooding for this girl. She's got so much heart. You think of all the pain and the...
0: Tequila
1: is my lady!
0: My lady! Come on in, guys. Come on in, come on in. You're welcome. Tequila from darkness. There is light! All right, Cabin in the Woods... This is a 2011 masterpiece. God, I love this movie. Pure masterpiece. So much. This movie is one of my favorite movies to talk about with people that have never seen it and get them to watch it. Because I, I do not tell them anything about this movie. And it's one of those movies that like, I feel like everyone has seen it. It's not actually true. There's a lot of people that have not seen this movie.
1: Yeah, and I think it, I mean, I know we're tying this all into Knock at the Cabin, M. Night Shyamalan, but this movie kind of does with the, not alone, like, let alone the plot, but, like, the whole expectations of the movie and how it was marketed is very similar to all of M. Night Shyamalan's movies, and we've mentioned how there's so much issue with, like, people expecting a twist ending and trying to figure out all the little details that they just get caught up in that, and they ruin the movie for themselves, right, with the Shyamalan film. Or it's marketed as, like, the village was marketed as, like, a pure horror movie. And it's really not. It's yeah. not at all. So the fact that, like, people's expectations get fucked up from the marketing and then go in and then they hate it is interesting because Cabin in the Woods was like, we're fucking with you on purpose. Like, they marketed this movie like the Evil Dead remake, which is a like pure straight horror movie.
0: That's when I watched it. I didn't see this in theaters. But when I watched this movie, I thought it was a horror movie.
1: My sister went and saw this in theaters and hated it because she (laughs) thought her and her friends were like, we're going to see that new horror movie. And they were like wanting to be like a serious horror movie, get their fucking get the shit scared out of them. And this movie obviously is has some good scares, but it is a comedy through and through. Oh, yeah. And they they just did not expect that. So it, it did fuck with their expectations. I, however, I find most other people were pleasantly surprised.
0: Yeah, I definitely thought this was a horror movie. Like, if anything, the trailers, I'm like. This looks like almost an offensive ripoff of Evil Dead. That's like, what I was saying. Like, yeah, it, it like, literally looks like plagiarism. Like... like the
1: cabin in the woods. I was like, <laughs> that's gotta be. I mean, Jesus, it, it's just yeah. It literally it even looks like the fucking cabin yeah. from Evil Dead. It's weird. So I thought it was like, yeah, oh, this is gonna be stupid. But then it's like, then I heard that it was actually like a comedy horror, and then I was into it. So I knew that going in, but. I think it's interesting the way that expectations really fuck with you on these things.
0: The marketing for this reminded me a lot of malignant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're totally. Like, horror, Matt, horror, craziness. But it's like, that's oh, definitely something else. This movie is one of my favorite movies, like one of my favorite comedies, one of my favorite rewatches. It's, it, it's a top five parody. Like it's so good.
1: The cast is amazing. Chris Hemsworth before he played Thor. And it's like, it's so... It's just a funny little time capsule almost that way. But it's great. It has everything that we need. Plus all of the stuff with the actual, like, facility and the company. I love that whole shit.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah. This... I watched this with Sarah, and she had not seen it before. She had never heard of it. And so I didn't tell her a thing. And I just... The whole movie, I just kept looking at her to see her face. And like, when they start doing the reveals, that she's just like, what? <laughs> that means that, congratulations, go to maintenance! who yeah! share the pot with Ronald the intern. Yeah!
1: I mean, it's a genius idea for a movie. Really, yeah. it is. And it, it's a great thing because it is a parody of all horror movies yeah. and all the different types. And I love that, like, they have the american ritual they have the ritual in all the other countries which i looked it up and they're like parodying like other horror movies from those areas The
0: japan ritual
1: they have like the ring kind of a thing and then they have um the other ones was in buenos aires it's king kong they have like a dead monkey shown out there and then stockholm in is supposed to be the thing like john carpenter's the thing and then in madrid it's supposed to be dracula and i was just like (laughs) That is fucking genius. I love that little thing. It, there's little details in this movie that are insane that like you could fucking find after years of rewatches. Because like going through the trivia alone, there's a million of those little things. <laughs> yeah. and that's, you can just tell these guys they're making fun of horror movies, but they fucking love them.
0: So just in case anyone has not seen the movie, and part of the reason why we think this connects well with Knock at the Cabin is... So the whole point of Cabin in the Woods is these... These young college kids go out to a cabin and they're just going to get drunk and, you know, screw and do all that stuff that they do in horror movies. And then things start happening that you're like, oh, that's that's what happens in every horror movie I've ever seen. All the tropes. (laughs) And then the big reveal is that the entire thing is staged by an organization that's pushing buttons to essentially make these horror movie tropes happen. And the reason that it has to happen is because people have to die in certain ways to satisfy these ancient gods that will destroy the world if they don't happen this way.
1: And it's basically to watch these young, beautiful people get punished. And it's a clever thing to make fun of, like, the audience, right? Yeah, We're the audience, we're the gods that are under there going, I need more blood, I want more of this, I love these things. Like, that's what we want, right? Yeah. Clearly those tropes work. These guys are really manipulating it the whole way. So it's like, yeah, nobody in real life would do that unless they were drugged or like fucked with, right? They're
0: puppeteers. <laughs> yeah, like they they like um th- one of the girls is kind of a normal girl, maybe a little nerdy, but then by the time they get to the cabin, she like turns into like a cheerleader stereotypical hot girl, hot, dumb girl. And the way they did this is she dyed her hair and they put chemicals to uh, modify her personality. And the one guy that doesn't have that happen to him is the pothead. And it's because right before they leave, he gets pot from a new dealer. So it's not laced with all this stuff. So then he starts to go get super paranoid. And his paranoia is actually correct that he's like, Wait this is it, right <laughs> It's so funny You're not seeing what you don't want to see
1: Puppeteers Puppeteers Pop tarts Did you say you have pop tarts Marty I love you but You're really high It's always the fucking stoner that never lives The stoner's yeah. never the final girl if you th- yeah. If you think about it that way And I love that the stoner is not only like the smartest but like the one who actually fucking like turns the tables on the people <laughs> by the end but it is it's very similar to knock at the cabin where it's like a group of people are focused on convincing a, another group of people either like willingly or unwillingly to to die in order to stave off the entire world's destruction and yeah. apocalypse from whatever right monsters disasters of all kinds Either way, they're both posed with the same question, especially at the last five minutes.
0: So yeah, at, so yeah, like at the end of Cabin in the Woods, they get they make their way into the facility that's under underground. They let out all the
1: monsters and yeah. all their
0: glory, and they learn everything that's going on, and then they talk to um, the director, which is Sigourney, Sigourney Weaver. Weaver. Yeah, so perfect. <laughs> it's so good. And so then Sigourney Weaver is like the decision is up to you. Either the final you... girl
1: has to kill her friend or, cause she can live, it doesn't matter yeah. if she dies, but he has to die and then it'll be okay.
0: Yeah, all the other friends, uh, all the <laughs> other countries, they failed the oh, experiments yeah. <laughs> yep. and so it's down to this last one. And so yeah, they have to make the choice to kill their friend or to to kill the entire world. If you live to see it, the world will end.
1: Maybe that's the way it should be. If you gotta kill all my friends to survive, maybe it's time for a change. If this is what we have to do to stave off an apocalypse, I mean, not that the cabin isn't specific, but like, how often does this happen? Is that once a year that they have to do it, just like Cabin in the Woods? Do like four random people go to somebody else every year to like stop this apocalypse?
0: Yeah, what, how are they stopping this pre internet? pre-message boards
1: (laughs) yeah exactly so i don't know i'm just wondering is this a thing that happens all the time we have no idea i don't know if the book goes into it but with with cabin you're like okay that happens every fucking year (laughs) they're doing this all over the world five different rituals right yeah so it's like yeah this definitely means like we i don't think it's worth it i think it's pretty (laughs) fucked up to fucking because they're not just dying like clean deaths right it's not like in this one where it's like oh your loved one gets to shoot you and you're gonna die instantly Yeah. No no like you're gonna die in horrible terrible ways with these creatures because Jesus fuck yeah Uh, so it is it's fascinating and it's like I love that that like they choose not to do it and so they sit there and smoke a J and they even say at the end like you know I kind of wish I could have seen it and he's like I know right (laughs) And God's destroying the world would have been cool and I'm like exactly that's how I want that's how I would do it let's go sit outside smoke a J and watch this shit show
0: yeah (laughs) The, and the the ending for this is it's pretty abrupt. Mm-hmm. You know like the hand Giant pops wind. out and slaps and then it's like that's it. And it kind of leaves you at when you're watching just like what the fuck? Whereas Knock at the Cabin it kind of drags the ending and the it's it's less of a whoa what happened it's more just like a this is this is sad. Kind feel of
1: like a muddled mix of emotions and feelings towards the end. Whereas like, i feel like cabin in the woods. Like, and maybe this is, this is part of it is that while both of these movies do have similar plots, it's interesting to think about how the group in knock at the cabin, they go about it a completely different way. Right. It's yeah. just for individuals, but they're like, they're nice about it. Granted, they have to break into the house. Okay. They're creepy. Yeah. But once they're there, they only kill themselves. And they talk, and they try. They they're completely honest. They tell them literally everything that they know. Yeah. Because it's not like they're the ones doing this. They're just like seeing visions, so they're they're being completely honest and hoping that these people are like nice or good enough to make the right decision or whatever. Versus Cabin in the Woods doesn't tell. I mean, they don't even know that they're in a fucking simulation. Is yeah. The thing they're just com- and they're not even like giving them the choice. They don't give them the choice until the very end when they have to. The whole time they're manipulating every little decision that they make in order to, like, not give them an option, right? Yeah, yeah, They're basically trying to manipulate the situation. I mean, maybe that's just corporate greed and how they would fucking handle shit because corporations probably would be doing that. We're not going to take any fucking chances. we yeah. are going to manipulate this shit so there's no option. So it's funny because when they do that, it doesn't work out for their favor in Cabin of the Woods. But, like, in Knock at the Cabin, being all nice and telling them everything works out in their favor. I still don't think that it would work in real life, <laughs> but, like, it's interesting Maybe it's just the nihilistic approach versus like, these are maybe good guys. It's, it's framing the people who are making them make this choice as either good or bad, right?
0: Yeah, I think comparing the two or looking at the two, I feel like they both had the job of we need to get the audience to believe in these people that are trying to save the world and knock at the cabin i didn't totally really believe them or connect with them or you know have any sort of emotion towards them whereas cabin in the woods it's way more insane
1: and they're way more evil like outright yeah. evil, but like you like them more and you kind of understand where they're coming from
0: yeah like it's the, weird it's it's really brilliant because, like, you just look at them. You're like, they're just people that are trying to do their job.
1: It's <laughs> like at a normal Monday, like, fucking day at the office.
0: Uh, when they do the bedding, the bedding for how they're going to die, that's, like, one of the funniest things.
1: That's not fair. I had zombies, too.
0: Yes, you did. Yes, you had
1: zombies. But this is zombie redneck torture family, see? They're entirely separate species. like the difference between an elephant and an elephant seal. <laughs> I also love, I don't know if you, I've gone through the list of what's on the board a million times, but it always makes me laugh when I see just the name Kevin. Yeah. Kevin's on there. And I was like, I've heard different answers. I heard that it was like a reference to Elijah Wood's character in Sin City because his name oh. is Kevin. And I was like, that would be funny if that's yeah. what it is. I don't know <laughs> if it is,
0: but. Yeah, th- these movies really are a great pairing. Similar to The Mist and This Is The End. Like, same movie, very, very different ways of going about the plot. And yes. these movies do the same thing where two very different movies, two very different styles, but they're both they're both fun.
1: Yeah, both fun, good movies, but I don't know. It's just interesting. I just think Knock at the Cabin could have been a little bit better maybe if the characters had done this. I get that there was more of a happy ending, I guess. Mm-hmm. But is it that happy? I don't really think it is. I think if that's what Faith is, fuck it. I don't want it.
0: But yeah, and I think the, the endings... They essentially pick the, the opposite choice of each other. I think that's what makes them a great pairing. You know, you kind of get to see what would happen on both sides. I think we can all agree that that uh, the guy ga- the people in uh knock at the cabin, they they definitely deserve to join at the end of that.
1: I think that's what we're saying is that they should have been smoking a jade and joining the end of the world as well. <laughs>
0: I hope you enjoyed our double feature of knock at the cabin in the woods. It's a lot of fun talking about these two very different movies that are also just weirdly similar and we hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. But next week we are diving in to Ari Aster's Hereditary. This is a horror classic and this was my first time actually seeing it and I'll just tell you right now I was blown away. We're doing this because it's the perfect time to rewatch this great movie because Ari Aster's new movie, Bo is Afraid, is coming out next week as well, and it's safe to say there's very high expectations. This is his third movie. He did Hereditary, that he did *Midsummer*. Can he go for the trifecta? We will see, but in the meantime, hope you all have a great week. Remember, if you're watching Yellow Jackets, check us out on YouTube because we're covering it every single week and it's getting wild. But until next time on the regular exclusive podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe. We out here.